John 15:4 and 11 say, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. These verses show us that when we preach the gospel and lead others to salvation, our joy is made full. This episode continues the series entitled Preaching the Gospel, with excerpts taken from a time of fellowship in Anaheim, California, on January 7, 2009. In this episode, brothers Benson Phillips and Andrew Yu share their burden for our exercise to preach the gospel in a regular way. A link to the full audio can be found in the episode notes. The first point of the God-ordained way is what? It's beginning. How do you do that? By bearing fruit, by preaching the gospel. We need this. And we must enter into this, brothers and sisters. This is the first point of the God-ordained way. Of course, following that is the, the nourishing by feeding the new ones in their own homes. There's the perfecting in the group meetings. And in those group meetings, there's the fellowship, the intercession, the care, the shepherding, the teaching, the perfecting, and all items of the church life. It is there. And Brother Lee was so strong about the group meetings. Of course, he hoped that they would all be vital groups. Not just a group meeting in name, but a, a vital group. Of course, when we pray together with one another, that should be a vital group. And a group that will bring us on. And then, of course, the first point is building up the church through prophesying. And I hope, brothers and sisters, all of you have prophesied this last fall. I won't ask you who did and who didn't. But I hope we all were at least one time, all the sisters, you know, brothers as well, we were able to prophesy. The prophesying is how we dispense Christ into everybody, every saint. We stand up and prophesy. And if you didn't prophesy this six months, how about the next six months? May we all become prophesying ones. And the Word tells us all can prophesy. Well, the Lord Jesus Himself, whenever He began His work on this earth, when He was 30 years of age, and He began to go out to spread His ministry, He Himself took the lead to preach the Gospel. He preached the Gospel. He didn't stand set up on the throne and say, Come to Me. He did what? He came to us. He came out of eternity. And He entered into... He came to this earth. To do what? To gain us. And to gain everyone on the earth. He, he personally entered into the preaching of the gospel. Of course, you know, there's a few examples. Zacchaeus in Jericho, he went directly to this man to preach the gospel. And then you have, uh, of course, the immoral woman on the road to Samaria. He went directly to her. 
And then after he died and rose again, he went directly to the Apostle Paul and preached the gospel to him. He never stopped. And I don't believe he's stopped to this day. Paul was post-resurrection. Post, you know, all the aspects that Christ went through. He's still preaching the gospel. Well, how about us? What did he do? Well, the Lord took the lead. Uh, what did I want to say? Oh, yeah, the Lord Jesus did it. Then he brought 70 in and he sent them out. And who did he send them out to? He sent them out for the... Uh, 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 help me here. He sent them out to the to reach uh, the ones that were marked out. But what word did he use? That Brother Lee had used? Huh? Sons of Peace. The Lord used that word. He sent them out to gain the sons of peace. And you don't know who a son of peace is. So you have to knock on the door, or you have to contact them, and you'll find a son of peace eventually. We go out to find the sons of peace. We're not going to produce sons of pieces. <laughs> right? They've already been marked out by the Lord. But the Lord needs someone to go find them and reach them. And then, uh, eventually, at Pentecost, He sent us all out to be witnesses. To find the sons of peace. To find all the unbelievers and to bring them to Christ. And this is one of the greatest joys on the earth when you go out preaching the gospel. And someone gets saved. I remember the first person, because I was in junior high, but I remember the first person that I had at least a small part in getting saved. His name, I still remember his name. His name was Donald Clevenger. And he was one of the worst kids around us. Wasn't even in the church. He was just a bad guy. Anyhow, he got saved. And I was so excited. I remember I was at a camp, a Christian camp. And they were playing baseball. It was their time to play baseball. The team that I was... Well, no, it wasn't me because I was in the camp. It was another time uh, that I I played. But anyhow, he got saved. And I was so excited, I just ran as fast as I could to that baseball diamond. And one that I was the closest to was in the outfield. And I ran to the outfield during the game to tell this person, Donald got saved. I know that preaching the gospel can be the greatest joy. I remember one time when I was in college sitting down in front of a car with the headlights, reading the Word, preaching the gospel to this guy, and he got saved. And I was so happy. And I can remember many, many cases in the church life where we went out or whether we brought them in and preached the gospel in a larger number. Brothers, this is a great joy. And I want all of us to participate in this joy. And we all will participate in this joy if we're preaching the gospel. Brothers, the Lord has made us vines in the vine tree. The vine tree 
is for our enjoyment. And we are there for God's enjoyment as the branches. But the branches do something further, and that's to bear fruit. And everyone should bear fruit. And the Word there says, your joy will be made full. That It says the joy will be made full in several places in the New Testament. But that is one of the places. I think four or five times the Lord uses this, this expression. But one of them is in bringing people to the Lord. Your joy will be made full. And I want all of your joy to be made full. You keep doing that, and your joy will just be rekindled again and again and again. And you will never doubt uh, what you're into. Well, then Levi, you know, he brought people into his home. Then Cornelius, he brought people into his home. One was a sinner, the other was a good man. He was also a sinner still, but he was a good man. Anybody and everyone can open their homes and bring people into that home and preach the gospel. And they also can knock on doors randomly, as many as possible. You know, I was greatly encouraged last Lord's Day when they were asked how many this next month would pass out one track a day. And you know, we had surely over 800 in that meeting. And I saw hands all over the... Didn't you see them? All those hands. Y'all were there. All those hands that ra- they raised their hands. And they said they would pass out one track a day for next month, right? I expect that so many will do that. Well, that's preaching the gospel. You know, I handed out some today. I had, I had to catch up. You know, <laughs> because I was occupied with so many things. So I caught up today from last Lord's Day. And, uh, of course, we, if you can't just pass out one, but in, one a day, you'll be passing out many more. But anyhow, I just passed out one to catch up. You know? <laughs> the first one, she was just happy to receive it. She, she was, you know, she just, you know, she didn't say much. The second one, she didn't know what in the world I was doing, <laughs> but she took it. And the third one says, "I'm not a Christian." I said, "Well, will you take this and read it?" He stuck out his hand. Said, "I'll read it," and then we departed. But I put my name and phone number on every track that I pass out. And uh, I hope I'll have contact with maybe with one of them or all of them. Who knows? Anyhow, brothers, the gospel, it must be burning in us. And that's the point I'd like to make tonight. Uh, I'm very, very thankful for Benson's sharing. I come to realize that there really are two kinds of uh, Christians. One of those that don't preach the gospel. One of those that preach the gospel. And I don't mean that um, they are preachers or that they're evangelists, but they they know what it is to preach the gospel. And Brother Lee said in the Lord's recovery, we need to recover this aspect. And I'm burdened um, that this aspect would be recovered not just as an event, 
but as part of our living. Amen. That's very important. And uh, we all participated in some kind of gospel event, one time or another, you know, um, even though, even if our church life is not that strong, that at least once a year, you know, we would have some gospel activity. But to have it as part of our church life, that is important. Mm-hmm. And that is what we need to recover. I like to see 2009, the matter of the gospel being recovered among us. And it doesn't take um, some gifts to preach the gospel. You know, of all the different kinds of abilities of functioning in the church life, the gospel preaching is the one that requires the least amount of gifts. Actually, you develop the gift while you preach the gospel. Every one of us who have experience of preaching the gospel knows what Brother Lee meant when he said, the best way to learn to preach the gospel is by preaching the gospel. That's really true. If you say, oh, I don't uh, know how to preach the gospel. Well, you don't know because you don't do it. And uh, as long as you start doing it, then you get better and better. And, uh, you know, they say if you go and exercise, the enjoyment itself make you better and better. The same is with uh, the gospel preaching. The preaching of the gospel it ushers you into the enjoyment. And that enjoyment will make you better and better. You know, I share one point during the um, winter training. And that is, in the matter of the Jubilee, there is the living of the Jubilee and there is the proclaiming of the Jubilee. And the proclaiming of the Jubilee, as the living of the Jubilee will deliver us, will, will give us two things. One, it delivers us out of all the bondages. Number two, it returns us to the enjoyment of the land, right? We, we all remember that. You know, if you develop a practice and a living of preaching the gospel, it does the same to you. It delivers you out of all the bondages. And uh, Brother Lee, in those Jubilee messages, he mentioned three kinds of bondages. Number one is um, the human suffering, suffering in our human life. Number two is, in particular, anxiety, you know, psychological. And I don't need to expand on that. All the young adults know that. Then number three is the suffering of trying to do good, trying to be good. You know, all those three kinds of things are bondages. And you know what? When you enter into a kind of vital living, that is the enjoyment of the living of the Jubilee. Yes, that will deliver you out of those three kinds of bondages. But if you enter into a practice of preaching the gospel, that will also deliver you out of those three kinds of bondages. Number one, nobody has no human suffering. But you don't wait until you have no suffering to preach a gospel. When you start having a preach gospel preaching life, your suffering doesn't mean that much to you. The se- second thing is anxiety. 
you know, goes without saying when you go preach the gospel. You forget about your own anxiety. And then number three, you know, all get wrapped up with yourself, trying to do good, so forth. So that's the deliverance from the bondages. Then the ushering in to the enjoyment of the land. Same thing. You know, you develop a habit of preaching the gospel. You get ushered into the enjoyment of the good land. I, I cannot, uh, I, I have not heard of one testimony that says, I go out, I preach the gospel, I come back, I get bummed out. I never heard of a testimony like that. You will never get bummed out. You never get bummed out when you go out and preach the gospel. I, I like to see the church in Anaheim, all the saints, would go out on a regular basis. On a regular basis. You know, last week, we challenged some of the saints. We said, okay, year 2000, we'll give you three options. Number one, you go out 52 times this year. That means once every week. 52 times. That's very short. If you do it every day, you complete that 52 times in less than two months. Okay, spread it out. The point is not make the 52 times. The point is to develop the habit. Second, okay, you can do it. Do it twice, uh, once every two weeks. So that's 26 times. Then option C is 12 times. That means once every month. And I said, you know what? A, B, C. Which one is the easiest? A is the easiest. Why is it the easiest? Because if you do it every week, then it becomes a matter of your practice. You know why brushing your teeth is so easy? Because it never has to go through your will. In fact, some of you, whether you have brushed your teeth, sometimes you forget it. You walk out of the house, did I brush my teeth? Because it's part of your uh, subconsciousness, part of your practice. And that's what we have to um, uh, bring into our church life. So, you know, if you have, I, I mentioned that, in the training, if you go to a church and uh, they said, "Oh, uh, we're the Lord's recovery, and uh, we're, we're in everything. We just uh, very much part of, you know, um, the Lord's recovery." But we only have the Lord's table once a year. You say, "What kind of church life is that? Only have Lord's table once a year? That's a very strange church life." Well, if you go to another church and said, "Oh, we only have prayer meeting once a year," you say, "What is that?" Then, if you go to a church and say, oh, we only preach the gospel once a year, you say, oh, that's not too bad. You see? You see where we are? You know, we don't believe, we, we, we don't have the consciousness that the gospel is part of our church life. I was, uh, for a time in one church life that every, uh, every, every week they have gospel meeting. And, uh, uh, they do it even when there's no, no gospel friend. And so there were many, many weeks where I was the only gospel friend. I was not saved then. So I just sat there to be the guinea pig for those brothers who are giving the message. And um, it's, a, it's, it's a little bit funny. But I, I think back upon it. I said, well, that's better than not doing it. You know, if if uh, now we don't have a big gospel meeting, we don't emphasize on that. 
But if the saints, they would um, uh, have some kind of uh, consecration uh, before the Lord, that um, they would do it every week. And again, I say, the easiest is if you set the time and you set the date and you have this um, definite number of people. And if the, ch- if the church would make a point of arranging a certain time and a certain date so that all the saints that want to go, they come and they do it, then that would make it easier. Well, you don't have to do it by church. You can do it by district or you can do it by group meeting. But it's very, di- it's very difficult to sustain it by individual. That I know. So uh, the matter of the uh, Jubilee is not just a matter of our living. It's also a matter of our proclaiming. We have to enter into this living. Not just um, a Christian that preaches the gospel. All of us sometimes may do. But a gospel preaching Christian. In the same way, not a church that occasionally preach the gospel, but a gospel preaching church. And uh, there's one word that is very important in the Bible, and that's the word practice. In Colossians 3.9, it says that we have to put off the old man with its practices. And there's a footnote on the word practice, and that's in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. It says practice means something that you do regularly, consistently, and not just occasionally. That, of course, in First John chapter 1, it was talking about practicing sin. If you practice sin, then you walk in darkness. Well, what is to practice sin? That means you do it habitually. Um, you know, 80% to 90% of our daily living is by habit. Only very little by our will. You know, the way you walk, you never think whether you should exercise your left foot first or your right foot first. It's all habit. And uh, the old man is the habit. And uh, it's difficult because you have to change a habit. And uh, I like this. This is like uh, the exercise. When you go to the exercise, they said, oh, you need this kind of exercise uh, to develop your abs. You need that kind of exercise to develop your thigh. And you need this kind of exercise to develop your uh, spinal cord. Well, you have 12 kinds of exercise. One to develop your spiritual abs. One to develop your spiritual thigh. One to develop your spiritual spinal cord. You know, however you apply it. But whatever it is, it's a kind of exercise. And Exercise is a kind of habit. You know, if you don't do it, it's very hard to do it. If you do it, it gets easier to do it. And when it gets easy to do it, it's very hard not to do it. When you start not doing it, then you feel like uncomfortable. I, uh, I know of a brother, he, he, he starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger when, when, when the age is advancing. And, uh, it's getting to be, uh, very unseemly, uh, the weight and the everything. Then uh, he made a resolution 
He started going to the gym. And uh, then he started getting more fit and more, uh, more, more, more vital physically. And then he told me, he said, uh, now that I got into this habit, um, every day I don't do it. I don't feel comfortable. That's right. That's, that's what happens when something becomes your, your, your habit, your practice. And that's what we need to do. You know, uh, it's good. Unbelievers, they don't have a habit of getting up on Lord's Day morning. That's, it has nothing to do with sin or no sin. It's just that they haven't developed that habit. And we have to help them. We have to help them. You can't just say pray and see if the Lord leads you. No, you have to help them every week, every week, every week until it becomes their practice. Then, whether they like it, they don't like it, they come to the Lord's Day meeting. Well, what what made you think that um, to be a Christian, you need to sanctify the Lord's Day, but you don't need to preach a gospel because the gospel is optional. It's like uh, it's a premium. What made you think that? You know, you just we we just have Acts of the Apostle, and then you just read. You know. In 2.42, it says they continue steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship. But how? How to do it? Then four verses down. It says, day by day, they continue steadfastly. How How to continue steadfastly? Day by day. That's as far as time. Then, as far as place, from house to house. Day by day, from house to house. Time and space. That's how you exercise the continuing steadfastly. The continuing steadfastly is not just something that you say, Amen. The continuing steadfastly is in time, you do it day by day. In space, you do it from house to house. And then, you know, in verse 46, it says, day by day, they do that. Then in verse 47, it says, then the Lord added to them day by day. Okay, you do it day by day. The Lord added to you day by day. You exercise, you know, on a regular basis. The Lord blesses you on a regular basis. And that's really what the church life is. You know, um, Acts is all-inclusive. You know, it talks about God's, God's economy. It talks about the economical spirit. It talks about calling on the Lord. It also talks so much about the God-ordained way and how to have the church life. That church life, it's not just a meeting life. It's their living. It's the way they live. They live from day to day. So, um, there's 365 days in 2009. But forget about 365. Just tomorrow. And consider our living. You know, I, I think that for the young adults, you need to turn your telescope or turn microscope or whatever scope and zero in on the word living. If you can build up your living, my, I tell you, you, you'll be an overcomer. You know, I've been reading uh, um, Genesis, life study, uh, quite a lot lately. And uh, these few testimonies, you know, Enosh, they call on the Lord. That's living. 
at that time, people, they, they live realizing their frailty, so they call on the Lord. That's a living. Then Enoch, he walked with God 300 years, and he begat children. That's a living. He's not a full-timer. He got a job, for sure, because he raised up children. But he has a living. Then, you know, a lot of you got very impressed by Ron's sharing during the uh, Thanksgiving conference, where he spoke strongly about saving yourself from the crooked and perverted generation, and then building the ark. Well, what is the ark? That is a living. Noah... He saved himself and his jet, and he condemned that generation by his living. In fact, his living was his gospel. You know, it gets to a point where your living becomes your gospel. Okay, come and see how we live. That's the gospel. And there is a time. There was, I say, I say there was a time. I don't know now. There was a time when the church living itself becomes the ark. That's true. When you come into the church life, that wrecks you. That also delivers you from the crooked and perverted generation. Well, I say, that is not just a Sunday morning church life. That is a living. And uh, then, you know, Abraham, you know, he was in a kind of living in Ur of Chaldea. Then he moved. Then when he moved, then he pitches tent in Shechem. And there he has the tent and he has the altar. That is a living. And then, you know, he moved to Beersheba, right? And in Beersheba, you read the lifestyle message. He said, there's two wells, there's two livings, issuing in two results. Two wells. One is the well in Beersheba, nurturing Isaac. The other well is the well of Ishmael. And he rose up, and he became an archer. That kind of living produced an archer, somebody that just wants to fight, uh, compete. Um, but this kind of living produced what? It produces the burnt offering. Isaac eventually became a burnt offering. And one result, and ended up in Egypt. The other result ended up in Mount Moriah, consecrated for God. Again, living. You know, it's not just one time. It's how they were raised up through the two wells. And, uh, well, I can go on and on and on, but I'm not here to give a message. I'm, I'm saying that this matter is what is saving a lot of the young people is they start paying attention to their living. And we share that in the Young Adults Fellowship. We said, you know, years ago, Brother Lee taught us to say, the inner life is for the daily life. It's for the daily life. And the daily life supports your church life. And so I'm very thankful that we have this sheet and that we're helping you and encouraging one another to live this living. And uh, I hope that as young adults, we will step by step get into these practices.
Thank you for joining us today. To hear the complete recording and other messages, please visit livingtohim.com. If you would like to receive regular updates from us, please subscribe to this podcast and join our mailing list on our website. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, where our handle is at livingtohim.com.